last week we, uh, not last week, two weeks ago, we ended chapter two in the book of Romans. So that's why I'm in 2 Corinthians. What is going on here? Okay, here we are. And so we ended Romans chapter two last time. Paul is writing to the Roman church. The church was mostly Gentiles, but there were also some Jews that were in the Roman church. They probably um, were part of the diaspora when they were dispersed from Jerusalem because of the persecution there, and they ended up all over the place. And so we don't know who planted the church in Rome or how many there were, but we know that they were a group of believers that hadn't heard from any of the apostles or Paul yet directly. And so now Paul is writing this letter desiring to go there and he's filling them in and encouraging them in their faith. He told them in the first chapter that their faith was spoken of throughout the world. And so that can happen even more so now. Social media allows a small church in, in the middle of nowhere to post a video online and anyone in the world now has access to that teaching. It's such a great thing. We get hits from China, from Russia, from, they're probably trying to hack us, but, but um, uh, we get hits on our website from places all over the world and they have access, I hope, they hack us and download all of our stuff. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, you know, so that they can hear the message too. But we have all over the world, they come to our website and they download this information, this, these videos and stuff like that. So what a blessing. Uh, but at the same time, there's bad information out there. And that's the hard part. Rome had bad information also. There were people in there that were bringing bad information. And Paul was now trying to cor correct some of the bad information that was coming into the church there. When we closed in chapter 2, remember there weren't chapters and verses when Paul wrote this. When Paul wrote, it was one continuous letter. Okay, and, and so when we look at chapter 2 and the and separation between chapter 2 and chapter 3, it, there's one there, but it doesn't need to be there. Okay, the, the people that put the chapters and verses in decided to put it there, didn't need to be there because it went, it, it, it's a, a continuation of the same thoughts. And so here, uh, Paul, I'm going to jump back a, a few verses to chapter 2, verse 28, where he says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, meaning the law, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And, and so... Now he's trying to separate between believers, true believers in the word, and people that were just acting like, well, I'm a Jew, I've been circumcised, I'm God's child, 
and you're just going to have to accept that. Now, that's not exactly how it works. Paul is saying, no, it's not the outward circumcision. It's not what you're wearing. It's not who you say you believe in. It's what you do with that, how you act. Now that you believe, how do you act? Do you live like you believe? And that's where Paul is calling them out, saying, live like it. Today's message is titled, Living Like a Sinner. Not exactly a Mother's Day message, but uh, here we, we closed with Paul explaining that about circumcision, and they were probably confused about what Paul was really getting at here. And now he's going to clarify. He's going to spell it out and make it a little more apparent what he was talking about. What advantage then has the Jew? Or what profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. And so here he's saying, look, what, what's the advantage of being a Jew if God, in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 11, I think it is, he, he said, there is no partiality with God. He's already said there's no partiality. So what advantage is it to being a Jew if there's no partiality? And he says, oh, there is a reason, a good reason, because they've been committed to them the oracles of God, meaning the Old Testament, the Bible, the Word of God. Remember, they didn't have a New Testament. They were writing it. They were living it. So he's saying all of those Old Testament scriptures, that is your foundation. That's how you were given this relationship with God through the Old Testament, through the law, through circumcision, through everything that God gave them. So that made them kind of special. They were supposed to take that and run with it. They were supposed to expose that to the world. Look at our God. Now, God showed himself strong on their behalf many times where he saved them many times from overwhelming odds that were going to destroy them. He saved them. He continues to do that today, doesn't he? Look at that little nation of Israel and all of the enemies around it coming against it, wanting to destroy it. For what reason? Because they're Jews. They just want to kill them and destroy them and wipe them out. Everyone that has tried has failed. 2,000 years they were kicked out of their land and now they're back in it. Now they're a nation again. But they're not honoring God. They're not Christian. Some of them are Jews. Some of them are Orthodox Jews. The vast majority of Jews living in Israel now are agnostic or atheist at best. It's very sad. They don't have the spirit of God. They aren't even following the law. And so it's very sad to see what's going on. But you know what's really happening? God is faithful. God is showing the fact that regardless of how they act and what they do, I'm faithful to my word. 
He told them in the Old Testament, this is what was going to happen. I'm going to send a Messiah. You're going to reject him. You're going to crucify him. And then you're going to be cast out for a long time. And then I'm going to bring you back together in the last days. All of that's in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. I mean, it is in the New Testament, but it's in the Old Testament. They already knew all this. They already had Daniel's plan and and Daniel spells out exactly what's going to happen to the Jews. And they killed the prophets that they didn't want to hear from. They killed them because they didn't agree with them. They killed Jesus because they didn't agree with them. And so this is the world we live in today. Still for the Jews. The world we live in as Christians are the ones that received the Savior. We recognize Jesus as being the Messiah. But he didn't say, okay, now all of you that have recognized me as the Messiah, now you have to start following the law. He didn't do that. He gave us a new way, a new covenant he made with us, a covenant in his flesh, in his blood, a covenant in the following his plan through the Holy Spirit. That was the covenant that he made. We live under that covenant today. Much easier than the Old Testament covenant, the laws, the sacrifices, everything that they had to go through, all of the traditions that they had. It's much easier to live under grace, isn't it? Uh, Aren't you happy? Me too. Me too. Because I couldn't do that. I couldn't keep, you know, the law. I, I, you know, I, I even tried when I first became a believer. I said, okay, I'm going to do all of these things. And then I got to number 10. Thou shalt not covet. What? What do you mean thou shalt not covet? You know? What? I have to stop watching commercials now? Uh, you know? Like, anyway. Back to the text. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words, and you may overcome when you are judged. And so really what he's, um, it, this is out of uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 51.4. Paul starts quoting many Psalms as he's writing and many Proverbs. He's quoting scripture. Remember, he just said, you've been entrusted with the oracles of God. Now he's taking those very oracles and he's talking, speaking them back to to them. They're hearing now the oracles that they're familiar with and saying, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I remember that in Sunday school. Some of them remember it because they were taught over and over and over. You know, it's kind of funny how you go into a store and they put on music, um, they play music, and sometimes they play music from like the 80s. And um, and some of you may not know what the 80s are. That's, the, you know, um, a few decades ago. And, and so 
In the 80s, um, they had different kinds of music than today, uh, music that I grew up with. In 70s, I grew up with, you know, that kind of music. And so if they put it on, I remember every word to the song. And, and some of them I don't want to remember, <laughs> but there they are, thrown in my face, you know? And it's like, wow, how do I remember? I haven't heard that song in decades, and here I am being able to, I, I don't sing in the store, trust me. I, I, but I do have it going through my head, and I know the, the lyrics that are coming up. The Jews didn't have Safeway. They only had fries. No, they, they, they didn't have music like that where they can play recordings, right? All they had was the spoken word. They had music. What were their songs? They're called the Psalms. If you read the Psalms, those were their song sheets. And so they had the words that were written to them and repeated to them over and over again. So when Paul is repeating these words, it's probably just like hearing that song and say, it pops right into their head and they're remembering these things. So uh, Paul says, hey, you know, what if some do not believe? And many did not believe. Many did not believe in who Jesus is as the Messiah. And so, does their unbelief make God inconsequential? Does it cancel out anything that... That's what the world is doing today. They're canceling God because they don't believe. Well, I don't believe in that. Oh, well, good for you. But the Creator believes in you. I don't believe in the Creator. Okay, well, you cannot believe all you want, but just because you don't believe does not make him go away. He's still going to fulfill all of his plans. People are still going to miss out when the time comes. They're going to miss out on the fact that there is a God who cares so much about... I think that's the real message for us. Not, there's a God and you're going to hell unless you accept him. That's the message of some Christians. That's not a good message. I don't want people going to heaven because they feared going to hell. I want people going to heaven because they love the creator of all things. Because he sent his son to die for for us on the cross. That's why we're going to heaven. We're not going to heaven to avoid hell. We're going to heaven because we have a God that made a way for us, that loves us so much, and that wants to be part of our lives here and now. Right now, he wants to be part of our lives. He wants to bless us through the thick and the thin, through the good times and the bad. He wants to bless us. That's why I want to go to heaven. I want to spend eternity with him. I don't want to spend eternity with the world. Look how crazy they are. They're insane. But that's what we can expect from the world. 
But if without God, you don't have the truth. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So if that's the case, then why would we trust anything else? And that's what Paul is saying here. It, it doesn't matter what you believe. If you don't believe in God and you don't believe that he's the one that put all this in place, it's not going to change him. It changes us. It, it makes us see things falsely. Isn't that what's going on in the world right now? Uh, can you believe what people are thinking what people are trying to teach our children and grandchildren in school, what they think is acceptable, it's evil. It's terrible. And Paul is calling this out 2,000 years ago. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust? who inflicts wrath, I speak as a man. Certainly not. For then how will God judge the world? And what he's saying is, hey, is God unjust if he inflicts wrath on the world because, you know, they are sinners? The world is full of sinners? And, and is he unjust in that? Well, no, of course not. He is the only just one. The best person in this room, and there are some in here that are much better than me, but you still don't qualify. There are some really great, you know, you think of people like Billy Graham. You know, just the, the persona that he had. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, when he stepped up on the stage, uh, the presence that he had. The voice that he used. And, and he was able to speak into the hearts of so many people. But he wasn't any holier, any more righteous than we are. Because our righteousness is not dependent on anything we have done. Our righteousness is fully dependent on Jesus Christ. And so when we go to stand before the Lord... It, 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 he's not going to be seeing, if he sees us, we would melt right in that place. Gone. Who was that? But with Jesus, he's going to say, oh no, that, that one's, he's one of our, mine. And we're going to be good because we're seen as having the righteousness of Christ. Amen, hey? Yeah. You know? That's, man, thank goodness. So Paul answers that question. He says, certainly not. If God were unrighteous or displayed any favoritism, he wouldn't be able to judge the world because that wouldn't be righteousness. He has to be righteous 100% of the time. And no one else qualifies for that. For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, 
Why am I still judged as a sinner? And why not say, let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just. And so some Jews would lie, and, and they considered it, a, if, if it got people into the church, if it got people to believe, then it was acceptable. It gives God glory. So anything that gives God glory is good. <clears throat> Not true. Okay, that, that, that's completely false, and he's calling it out here. We can't make God look good through our unrighteousness, right? That's just foolish thinking, but that is the way the world thinks. It really is. We see that today in that people try to disqualify the work of the church because, oh, it's not perfect. You know, there are hypocrites in the church. What? There are hypocrites in the church? Are you kidding? I hope so. Because this is where we go to correct it. This is where we come together to learn from God. This is where we come together to change the, the faulty parts of our lives. You know, not that we're going to come out of here perfect, but this is where we come together and start sharpening each other, encouraging each other in the word, praying for each other. You know, we have people that have gone through some emotional stuff in their lives. I know many of you know Elaine and Howard. Elaine's sister passed away last Sunday. She's up there up celebrating her life. She was a believer. So, you know, Elaine knows she's going to see her sister. This was her twin sister. And uh, she went home to be with the Lord last Sunday. And, and so... You know, people have gone through struggles, trials in their lives. Many of you have your stories. I don't know them all, but I know this. We have a good God, and he loves each one of us, and he brings us together so that we can encourage each other, pray for each other, bless each other, love each other. Uh, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to each other. That's what we're here for. We're not perfect. None of us are, but we continue to keep the focus on him, not on ourselves. So there are some also in the evangelical movement that believe that any way to get people into church is okay, even if you lie. Not true. There's never a time where sin is acceptable to God, even if it gives him glory. That's where Paul's at here. Paul is saying no. It's not okay to do that. I've actually had people tell me, hey, you know what? We have this, you know, idea, this program, uh, you know, this pastor that's doing this. And all you have to do is implement this in the church. And people are just flooding into the church. I don't want false conversions. I don't want people to come into the church because the, I manipulated them to come into the church. I want people in the church because God has called them into the church. 
This is a calling from God. That's how come we have so many churches. People have different ideas of what church is and so on and so forth. Find a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. Find one that the focus is Jesus Christ and that that's the center of the church, the foundation of the church. That's what's most important. You don't like the music here? Go somewhere where you like the music, but get fed by the word of God. Hear from him. It's not about what we like. It's about what he wants to teach us. So find the place where God speaks to you and then stay there. And then share what God speaks to you with the others around you. Minister one to another. It's part of being a Christian, right? So, for if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also, why am I also still judged as a sinner? And why not say, let us do evil that good may come? Are we as slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say, their condemnation is just. Those are going to be condemned, and it's just. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. And now he's going to quote out of a bunch of different Psalms and Proverbs in, in the Old Testament. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. And, and so here he is speaking all of these things. He's saying, are the Jews better than the Gentiles? No, not at all. That, that isn't the way it is. They're both sinners, all of us. And then he provides details. There is none righteous. No, not one. There are people that believe once they are saved that they're righteous now. Still no. The only righteousness we have is the righteousness of Christ. That's the only righteousness that qualifies us for anything. If we were righteous, then we wouldn't need Jesus. He wouldn't have had to die on the cross for us. But there was no other way because God would not have sent his son to the cross if there was another way. But he sent him to the cross because there was no other way. There is none who understands God or his purposes. That's because we try to find our own answers to these things. We, we don't try to understand God. The thing is, we can't. We can't fully understand God. Because we don't, we have the mind of Christ. You've heard that, okay? But the mind of Christ doesn't mean that we have all the knowledge of God. Here's what the mind of Christ means. And some people take that out of context and aren't really sure about what that means. Here's what we have the mind of Christ. When we don't have answers, we pray. 
spend time in prayer. We seek God through the Holy Spirit and Christ will give us the answer. You know what the answer may be? No. The answer may be sometime later. The answer may be you don't get to know this. Daniel wanted to know the visions that he was having. The angel told him, not for you to know. Those are for the last days. Seal up the book. It won't be open till the last days. So don't even worry about it, Daniel. Just give it up. Just write what I told you to write and then forget about it because it's not for you. And quite often, we want answers to our questions. We always want answers to our questions. Isn't that true? My daughter, man, growing up, everything was a question. Why? Why, why are we doing this? Why are we going here? Where are we going? And when will we be home? And who's going to be there? And I, I mean, she came up with so many questions that I, I was like, stop. Please, please, I, I, I'm still on question two. You're on 10. I, I, I can't get there from here. And, and so we do the same thing with God sometimes though, don't we? We ask question after question. Why? Why is this going on in my life? Why am I having these issues? Why am I physically having problems? Sometimes God just wants to slow us down to get our attention. Sometimes God wants to redirect us to a new place, to a new idea, to a new concept, to a, a different thing than what we're doing. And uh, sometimes he really has to work hard to get our attention. When we decide that God will speak to us directly, we begin to hear him. You see, that's the biggest part of the problem is that we don't expect God to speak to us. You know, we don't go around looking for a burning bush. You know, is that God speaking to me through that bush? No. We don't expect, that's for someone else. That's for pastor, that's for, you know, the Pope or something like that. God speaks through them. No, God speaks directly. He uses his word all the time to speak to us. So if you know that God left you a voicemail, are you just going to leave it on your phone or are you going to go get it, right? Well, God left the voicemail. Here it is. Okay, we just have to read it. Sometimes it's kind of like getting a text message from a friend that you have no idea what they said. You're looking at it going, what, what in the world are they talking about? You know, they use talk to text and there's all kinds of word in there that is completely messed up and stuff. And that's sometimes when we read and we're like, what in the world is going on here? That's when we say, okay, I read it. I don't understand it, Lord. I want the mind of Christ to reveal that to me. And he does. Sometimes it's immediate. 
Sometimes it's a week later and we're in some situation and all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I remember. All of a sudden God brings that to memory. Oh, you remember what you were reading? You're seeing it live right in front of you right here. Oh, now I get it. And then you realize God's speaking to me through his word. And so when you get excited about that, you start reading it more. I want to hear more from God. I want to play that voicemail again. I want to hear everything that God has to say to me. But sometimes we get so distracted by what's going on in the world, current events, things like that, you know, that we get distracted and we don't hear from God directly. Spend some time. I, I hope that every one of you, I know many of you do, I hope every one of you spends time with the Lord daily. Just even if it's reading the Our Daily Bread and, and getting something from that. I read that every day. I get something from it all the time. I read something and I say, oh, oh, how apropos, how fitting that is. And my other devotionals, I read and I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm like, wow, how did God plan both of those to speak to me today, right? I don't know, but he does. So set aside those times. So none is righteous, none understands his purposes, none who seek after God or learn about him. What? None who seek? You see, what is saying is that no one goes from being an unregenerate man, just a human, and starts seeking after God. Uh, they have to first be led, and that's how come the Holy Spirit draws us in, and that's where it begins, with the Holy Spirit first drawing us in, and then we seek God. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't draw us in. Now, the Holy Spirit is drawing everyone trying to, but there are many people that reject the Holy Spirit and they will reject him till the very end, unfortunately. There are many people that don't want to hear from God because they don't believe, they don't want to hear, and they've rejected him completely. And that's really uh, the problem. But Luke 19.10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish. That was given to the whole world. That wasn't given to a select group of people. Oh, you are the select group of people that get to go to heaven the rest of you, psh, there's no hope. If that were the case, we wouldn't need to share the gospel with anyone because those that God selected will get to heaven and everyone else is going to hell where God created them to go to hell. I don't believe that at all. That's not what the Bible teaches. And so if some of you were brought up in that religion, in that kind of doctrine, that's still prevalent out there. It's very prominent in the world today, but it's not accurate. It's not biblical. We 
are supposed to be salt and light to the dying world around us. If everyone that is going to be saved can get saved on their own without our help, without us shining the light of Jesus, without the Holy Spirit in us reaching them, they don't need our help. It's the Holy Spirit. And so if they don't, if we're not supposed to be part, God wants to include us in his plan. Isn't that a great thing? Guys, isn't, isn't that, what a, me? You want to use me to, to, yes, he wants to. And he wants us to reach the world. It, it's not your job to get people saved. It's just your job to plant, to water, or to harvest when the time comes. Not your job to make sure people get saved. And so uh, that's important for every one of us to know. God is still in charge. His Holy Spirit is the one that seals the deal, right? We're sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. It's not our job to force people to be saved. It's our job to just let them know it's available and how much God loves them so that they can be saved. Humanity is lost. Jesus, he's the way back. You've heard the prodigal son. You've heard the story of, of the prodigal son. We are the prodigals. Now picture God running out there as you're coming back home, running out to greet you. What an awesome picture. God running to greet me? Yes. Yeah. We're the prodigals and he loves us that much. So the world has become very violent. They're bringing destruction. Paul calls all of this out. Their feet shed, are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And all the way of peace they have not known. That's what we're seeing today, isn't it? Pretty clearly, that's what we're seeing in the world today. But we're called to be peacemakers. Verse 18 says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. We are supposed to show them the fear of God. What is the fear of God? The reverence for God. We worship God because of who he is. He could snuff us out in a moment, but because we're children, he's not going to do that. You wouldn't snuff your children out for doing something wrong. You would lead them into the right path. You would help them to find solutions, to help them to get saved from whatever path they were going down. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Turn on the TV and you will see what this is talking about. There are so many fools that are on the TV uh, that, and I'm not picking on any one news source, all of them have fools. You can see it everywhere. And I'm not saying that we are perfect and we're, you know, we have the answer for everything. We don't, obviously, because we would have fixed things a long time ago. There is no hope 
in man's world for man to come up with a human solution to solve anything. It's a spiritual problem. And the knowledge of God is what solves the problem. Oh, it's not going to fix the world, but it's going to solve the problem for us. I know where I'm going. Do you? That's what's important. It's not what we can do to fix the world. God did not call us to fix the world. He gave us his word to tell us what it was going to be like. He called us to keep our focus on him because he's going to fix the world. He's the one that's going to correct everything. And it seems like the world needs a lot of fixing right now, so he could be on his way very soon. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. What, what's the law good for? It's to point out what sin is. So that we can then determine that we're not qualified. That we're all sinners. We're all in need of a savior. Because we can't get out of here on our own. We can't fix sin on our own. Sin is uh, an unusual term. We, we use it for many different things. But really all sin means is that we miss the mark. God put up this big target for us. And here's the bullseye. And none of us have hit it. We've all missed the bullseye. Oh, we may be out here on the target. We may be close, but we didn't hit the bullseye. The only way to hit the bullseye is to be perfect. And we're not. We will be one day. The work that he started in us when we became believers, that work that he started, he was the one that started it. He will complete it. And so when we consider that, okay, the work that he did was me getting saved. Not me. I didn't do that work. He did it. And now he's going to finish it, perfect it, complete it. That's him doing it again. That'll happen when we leave this earth. Whether we die or whether he comes and takes us, then it will be complete. And then we will be perfect. We still won't have anything to brag about. He will still be the one reason for our perfection. The good news is that God, he enforces the law. It's the same God that keeps us from judgment by the law. That's the kind of God that we as Christians serve. Not a God judging us by that law, condemning us to sin forever, but a God who makes it possible to be saved. To us, he's the God of grace and mercy, of love and forgiveness. That's the reason we shouldn't continue living as a sinner, but instead live our lives for him.
He's the God who has cleansed us from our sins, adopted us as children. And Romans 8, 17 says, and if we're children, then we're heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Woohoo! That's something to be excited about. So since we know that, I can't imagine a better reason for not living our lives for him daily. Amen?